Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gayatri. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. We have an exciting and unusual episode lined up for our listeners of the Software People Stories podcast. Our guest Badri Narayanan began his career as a software engineer and today is a mental conditioning coach, leadership coach and organizational management coach. He has used various data models and data to keep himself and his coaches in sync throughout the process. He's worked with some top players in sport like cricket and tennis. Badri talks about his consulting experiences with leadership coaching and organizational change management in material management companies. This is an exciting conversation where we see a confluence of technology and sport. Badri and host Gayatri are talking about how it all started and what Badri does. Tune into this one, folks. Uh, welcome to the Software People Stories, Badri. Happy to have you here. Absolutely, my source. Thanks for uh, taking such a late evening call from the Bay Area. like all the podcast guests i would like to hear yourself an introduction to our listeners absolutely firstly gathi thank you for having me here and uh, it's been long coming but i wanted to kind of share some of my insights on a little bit of myself what what i do i am a, i would say a, a software guy turned sports psychologist mental conditioning coach and i've been in this field right now for close to i'll say on both fields for close to nearly 20 plus years now the whole thing has been an alchemy from being a software person to a sports psychology person and how software has been an integral part to help out on the psychology side of things that's pretty much my stuff and you know and then uh, been working with a lot of uh, cricketers uh, tennis players and guys in table tennis pretty much name it on the sports side of things and also on the uh, you know industrial side of things so i've been working a lot closely with material management companies and um, helping them out on the leadership coaching side of things and also in the organizational development along with you know how with the, with the hr side about how psychology actually helps and again how software tools have been used help out in you know making changes and you know in into development and also on the uh, we do a lot of also a lot of data analysis and how data is data warehousing we can call it how that has been a significant part in athletes uh, development that's pretty much it there's this it's like a big enchilada but so we like to we'll try to break it down as much as possible i think uh, yeah if i can uh, safely say you must be the first guest in our podcast who has such a varied experience across different industries from being in software i know you were a project manager in software can you share what led you into psychology i think psychology has been an an integral part like you know because i was um, i used to play a lot of college tennis in college you know and be it in my uh, bachelor's and masters but also you know like as i grew up and sport has been a very integral part of me obviously when you lose especially when you in, in sport you lose a lot so losing always has an impact on on your on your psyche so i was always intrigued by the psychology side of things and my dad was a voracious book reader so he would pass me a lot of books about 
know what psychology is and you know he was kicked on me and I didn't believe it I was thinking that it's my fate and that's why I was losing <laughs> and then uh from there that journey was that part was always there as in the back of my mind but then obviously you you go into engineering and don't you go into uh, that aspect of life and sport is also an integral part there for me that the psychology was always lingering behind um in my in my mindset and even in uh, in work and i think when i was doing project management or quality assurance it was always coming down a lot towards your soft skills and your obviously where you have to you because you're not just dealing with uh, deliverables but you're also dealing a lot with with people and how that and how how psychology plays such a such a big role there um i think that was so it helped me immensely there but at the same time it was also a challenge to kind of like because sport was always about performance and you obviously it was like what you give is what you get uh, here it was more about learning to push the right kind of buttons especially with people it's about what person to push that's going to help them perform that was a very unique challenge on the softer side of things in sport it is comparatively a lot more easier uh, because it's there's a lot of hardness to it i think i think that made a uh, for me to uh, pursue uh, like sh- the shift from project management to this it's still the same the uh, the essence or the uh, the principles behind it are still the same but i guess the obviously the the methods and the processes behind are different and that's i think that's where um i was churning between the two and uh, you know and found a way you know it's like it's hard to explain it at some point you find a way to uh, gel between and i still do a lot of consulting work on that front but i think it's now i see it as uh, as a tool it's been a very fascinating interesting fascinating sometimes frustrating but at the same time a very evolving journey for me let's talk about your uh, more fascinating stories uh, when you move to the psychology side right uh, so if you think about it software is a team sport and particularly mm-hmm. an outcome it's not like a 6463 outcome like a tennis game right you know mm-hmm. it may have worked and it's slightly more vague you can only know by based on the number of downloads or click to action or whatever that is outcome what have been those fascinating stories i mean when you again when players um come to you you know they um they obviously like being in cricket or in tennis they're looking for that edge you know they want to kind of you know accomplish obviously it's like goal it's like like any any project right because this is what we want eventually you know you have a statement of purpose <laughs> this is what you want to accomplish and this is these are my challenges and this is what i want to be and so it, they make it pretty crystal clear about what they want but everybody wants that end result you know it all comes down to how they're going to embrace the work and of course psychology is like because sometimes people think oh, okay you know this the, the the biggest taboo for players is to like there is sometimes a feeling like okay, my personality is like this or i have mental issues or uh, to convince them that okay there's not a mental issue it's like like a mental muscle building and that's the hardest part for a player to realize that okay it is not like okay i'm born like this so i can't change okay i'm with a psychologist so there's got to be something wrong with me you know and and they, those are the the initial taboos that every player would have you know like okay this is not right or in in different levels some guys are just fine they'll be like okay they might have seen uh, the western world about how it operates and then they just walk in straight through some it was a challenge of okay this is a this feels like i'm i'm weak mentally which is really not the case and that's the 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 biggest uh, stigma in the society on on mental health has been that right so um i think that part was the first like i had to squash that doubt so that they realize that okay and i just can't just squash the doubt by talking so there is a lot of data that comes into it so i think that's what i was mentioning earlier about 
it's like i would say software data mining for uh, for uh, sport is it's a completely uh, it was something very new but at the same time if you look at it now in the in the bigger history of things be it ibm watson on how it's involved in in sport uh, like especially in tennis and then you also have infosys kind of getting into the data side of things we we there are some of our players who we have a data analyst that's it's in house the main reason why that is coming to the picture is players like to see okay uh, okay okay this player started here and he is here now you made all these changes what are how how are they going to, they like to see that number even though psychology looks like okay it's a transition and honestly you cannot put okay a to b to c but there is a path there is a process there is an let's call it and even if it's an upward spiral towards success they like they see those okay okay this makes okay so he started here then he made this change then he went here outside it didn't look like he was growing but he was building the muscle here and then this happened you know that's it's like diet when you start off on the diet it's hard it's very hard to do it and so it looks like when you start off on any healthy diet it no you see the first thing is a nose dive it's almost like the universe is, uh, is testing you are you up for it and you got to keep saying yes 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 i am till you reach a point where you uh, okay i i'm growing now you know uh, and so it's uh, but players like to see that data see which i mean they don't want to know about the other players which because of various uh, disclosure agreements involved but they like to see okay this is the journey of this particular player okay and that's the part where uh, software gives the guy the assurance it's more of like you know like okay all will be like all is well kind of <laughs> mindset but they want some data to to prove that and i think that's i don't know if i'm answering your question but i think that the data has been uh, such an integral part in helping us out so you're saying um, from a date uh, psychology while it looks like psychology but you also use a data driven model to say okay mm-hmm. what change did they do and is what was the intervention and what is the consequence so Exactly. the so kind of an action or outcome that comes in it's not very different from organization change management that we do uh, badli uh, we do all yeah. this uh, change management uh, strategy uh, and we, we call this as a big word right strategy but it's actually yeah. just this you see how where the organization is or the team is and say what are the change that you want to do and then measure i'm very intrigued that even the body composition all of that is taken as a data by sports uh, team it's not very visible from outside right yeah yeah absolutely that's the thing it's like you know people from outside are like when you if they always see it okay they look at the finished product right and the finished product means okay this is okay this guy's changed everything but uh, because that's the final output and then they see the final result and then they derive okay i'm if i'm going to do this i'm going to do that but once they actually get into the process behind it it it's it's very difficult and that's why for even for athletes we like you said it's like a it's a very feedback driven model so we have like okay in 3 months this is what we're going to see first month this is going to be here second month you're going to be here third month you're going to be here and they like to see that progress okay if i make this progress here obviously they like to see the intrinsic change that's happening in the athlete and then how it translates externally and so as long as that graph shows uh, progress then it's like you know there's a lot of pie chart stuff involved there's a lot of you know and and sometimes it's sometimes it can be very frustrating for them because then they see okay i've been doing this for 6 months now you know is what's happening what's happening you know and and i think the data really helps them to kind of say okay i mean athletes are always look uh, are uh, happy about the upward side not about the downward side so when they see ups enough ups 
then they, they, they just continue. But if it's too low and if they're not motivated, I think I just sometimes when we stop working with certain people, we just say that, okay, these are stuff that's been given, but you're not doing it. The, uh, the, the motivation part is kind of lacking. And then like our belief is like, if it doesn't work in eight months and I don't see consistent, there's always that threshold point then, okay, we just, we uh, decide that based on that. I mean, of course there is, we use a bridge model to help them out and all that. But at the same time, once you know, you know, so even insights results are where, you know, when we use a data-driven model, it really, it makes decisions easier, positive or negative, you know? And I think, I think that's been a, a very uh, fascinating part of this. Yeah. So I like the way of you saying, it's not just because of data that uh, things make or break. Sometimes it's most of it is also uh, mind driven and uh, probably innate capability also. Some yeah, uh, have that yeah. innate capability and are you able to harness that strength? Yeah, and, and sometimes you've seen like, okay, you stop working with some person for eight months and then they then there's a break. And then later, uh, suddenly, you know, like you said, like suddenly the student's ready again and this time he's really ready. <laughs> so we still, it's not like, okay, it's like, you know, okay, oh, we couldn't choose you. Your resume still remains in our database, right? Kind of thing. <laughs> so, and then we pick it up again, you know, and there have been cases like that too. Sometimes it's just that initially they come and then they get overwhelmed with what they have to do. And then they feel, oh, this is, my pain is better than the, the suffering that I have to go through to get out of this. They head back in their shelter and then they come back after two years or so. And then, okay, then I'm ready. Again, it all comes down to, seeing some players if they see them succeed on the outside and they're like ah this guy did it you know he made it so and it's always driven by the competition side but for me it's it's vital that i have all the information from a from a data standpoint and that really helps me in kind of taking making constructive decisions should i give this guy a chance back or we all have our own uh, threshold parameters like these are things that he's got to do if this guy fails here then then i still have to take that hard decision so it's kind of it's uh, it's tough, but at the same time, you know, you got to stick with what works for you. So uh, when you talk about people and uh, data-based approach, right? Are you do you have a set of people you limit your coaching to, or there is no such number? It depends on really the season and the need for it. See, we work with uh, teams, we work with individuals, we work with juniors, seniors. There's just that uh, different cadre of people. So team games, it's it's a little bit more different. There, the data is more on um, based on a team-based model. I mean, you still are working individually with them, but as such, how all that works cohesively in a team setup. Say, even with uh, with tennis players, there is a big team. It's just not hit the player alone. You got the 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 skills coach, you got the fitness coach, you got the you know, the mental conditioning coach, you got you know the, like pretty much like eight, seven, eight people. So it's not just a barometer just for the player, but also a barometer for all the people involved. So um, I think from, you know, it, at, at, at a time, obviously when you're there, you you limit yourself to a, more like a one is to four ratio because that's all the brain can handle, especially from a psychology standpoint, because then it becomes too conflicting. But then when there's when you're in a team setup, you pretty much are going to allocate uh, a solid three, four months and, and you're just dedicated with the team. And in that time, when when it's not like sport, never ends. You know, like cricket and tennis are how they operate. Is like it's pretty much if you combine the two, fifty-two weeks isn't enough. You know, and India plays a lot of cricket, and then you have tennis is like thirty-five to forty weeks a year. So on the because it's the individual side of things on that, you know, you're able to balance the time out and also the time that you already have spent with the player. When it's when they are relatively new, the amount of time you spend is more extensive. But once they are with you for a longer time then you can pretty much structure your uh, time accordingly 
So I think it's a combination. It's like I've learned uh, initially, it is like take everything and anything and everything. Later now, you know, over the last eight, seven, eight years, I think I wouldn't say I've mastered it, but I've found a way to kind of now everything is remote. But back in the day, it was like, okay, how am I balancing travel to India? How am I balancing travel to Europe and how I'm traveling within? And that travel is my individual challenge. But as far as the relationship is like, sometimes it's one-on-one and sometimes it's one-to-many and we are kind of, we are in a much better space now. Very interesting. We have this maturity model, right, in software. Uh, we yes. talk about <laughs> as the product management matures, they do less of context switching and uh, more mm-hmm. prioritization. So <laughs> when you were <laughs> talking about teams, the number of, uh, yes, I was wondering, how do you do context switching? So much of context you have to switch between just between people, between leadership and the tennis. I think I was, I'm just fascinated as to how you would even remember uh, all those incidents and kind of correlate it and bring it out. So do you prepare before every interaction or how does, I'm very fascinated to understand that. Just like how you're conducting this interview. Exactly. And let's conduct how you're conducting this podcast. You you know you you know the subject, right? You you are you read about the subject. You uh, have to have some kind of love with the subject, right? And just kind of the background, and just kind of like uh, digging deep. And I know you are very a very curious person, so you know. And that's kind of I think that plays a big different curiosity and and obviously trying to stay as open as possible. Like then you you learn a lot. You and then there is. Uh, Obviously, at some point, you need to learn to shut it off also. But initially, for me, just the um, just to spend a lot of time understanding and, uh, you know, just have that childlike curiosity about about it. And I think once you do that, then you know, and sometimes you know enough to a point where you can almost kind of uh, feel what the other person feeling and thinking and all that, you know. And I think once that, and that's something that never goes. It's like a, it's like a, sometimes a dad's relationship, sometimes a brother-to-brother relationship, you know. Um, so you uh, know, and you can kind of start off where you left off. And I think I don't think I've tried hard on that. Like, you know, obviously initially when when the the, the subject of psychology was harder than 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 these things. These are like okay, secondary. But I think the subject of psychology of actually understanding and translating that into um, you know how am I going to take a cell like approach to it? And that that was the hardest uh, part. But then once the cells start performing in unison, then it's that part was easier. I think just the whole core understanding of the technicalities behind it. I think that was once that became ingrained and oh, you become more trained in it. I think uh, once that became easier for me, then uh, then after that, it's just like it, it's easier to switch. I mean, I can't explain it how, but it's um, yeah. So far, I've at least managed to maintain that sanity without without like talking okay what did you do last time <laughs> sometimes in, and they you know like sometimes your professors forget your name like what did he actually do by the way were you really in my class you know things like that well yeah this is uh, maybe maybe you are really a forgetful student or like a student that uh, teachers want to forget <laughs> so but i think uh, yeah that yeah it's just more i think curiosity to be honest nice you're talking about curiosity <laughs> and having the base framework and say, how do you understand each person, each interaction and put it in the memory as well as your own personal Yeah, memory. we have a data. Like, it's not like we just uh, kind of, you know, talk. We this everything that is obviously uh, we speak, it's it's recorded. You know, it's all, all of them is. And then uh, they all the questions that we uh, we have with our players and everything are all even if, if it is if it is interactive. But each one has its it has its own point structure. Okay, when, the, when a person, ans- I have a checklist that I go with the player 
and then each player's checklist is a little bit different based on the assessments we do with them. And then wow. even though if, even though if it is just an interaction, like how say you and I are having, it is um, it is also created in such a way that like sometimes players want to like they might want to answer a question. Okay, and if I talk about mental toughness, they want to answer. Oh, I am good here. I am good here. They don't want to give that away, right? So, but it's structured in such a way about we give situations. Okay, what do you do here? What do you do there? So when they answer those questions in that fashion, then it's it's they become more open about it. And but there is always that little bit of trivia behind which. obviously they don't know <laughs> now i can say but they don't know um, so and then and then uh, based on that we evaluate and that's our data you know that's pretty much uh, becomes and we have a huge you know database for that and then from there we you know and that evolves you know because that is is variable for each and every player and and based on your sessions and interactions you can i can always pluck it from there so it's always i do have like in my uh, when i'm interacting i always go back to that you know and so it's not like there is a there is a repository for all that in and then sometimes some players are completely checked in and sometimes they're completely checked out <laughs> and so and so you and if they say that oh it's like oh i did this yesterday and then i see okay the last time this guy touched this file was like three months ago or it's like you know or they have like oh, i better get it done and so you know that's where our understanding of technology helps because then i did it yesterday i didn't submit it you know all those things happen you know the kind of stuff that we would have done in college and school <laughs> yeah so that part it's um the amount of uh, i think the knowledge and that support about even when i was building the system we with with a team that helped us uh, do it it was i mean that for them that was huge because then okay this guy has some technical knowledge about this and so you could say these are my requirements these are the top 10 things i want and and um and of course those guys when they give you uh, estimates and stuff you know because they, the the assumption is like okay this guy is in the psychology side of things and then but then we also have some uh you know the software development experience and project management experience right so they have to give us some realistic timelines about when it's going to be done and so they can okay this query is going to take me two weeks so come on man you can get this done in a week <laughs> you know so there that kind of so in a way it is like good but then um that i mean what i have to answer your question that repository that we have it's completely software driven so and uh, yeah and and without it i don't think i we i would just be like okay i have a beam board sit down and then talk 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 write it down and everything you know that used to be how psychology worked back in the day but uh, i think in the last uh, 15 20 years it's evolved immensely fantastic yeah i'm enthralled to be honest to say uh, how much of data driven models are being used not just from mm-hmm. a tennis uh, yeah, how they play skills hard skills perspective but also the soft skills the mindfulness well, yeah. and the psychology part i'm amazed to switch gears right from a tennis uh, right uh, can we move to leadership i know mm-hmm. you do a lot of leadership coaching um, organizational change management you mentioned how is that in the material uh, management world or in uh, the software world how do you do that oh yeah absolutely you know uh, okay i can share without naming companies but it's one of those uh, things where uh, especially in in the material handling world and even in you know uh, the the biggest challenge is translation um, across continents right so you have the uh, asian contingent and then you have the american contingent right so where the the software or or the uh, say if it's robotics or say your um, you know, all those devices right they are highly um, you know or even in the or even in the biomedical biomedical devices you can take it uh, highly exceptional quality you know and they you know and and they can it pretty much uh, talks about itself you know you don't have to do anything extra about it but what gets lost in translation is uh, how it translate from continent to continent 
you know, in, in Asia, it's everything, okay, we got to do this. If this is what you're going to get, it's pretty much laid out a linear model. Uh, while in while in while in the US and the rest of they could be like they want more control over it they want to be able to tweak it you know to the needs you know i mean like any company would like to but i think it's more extensive in the western world we'd like to have that kind of control and i think the when when i was doing a, part of the uh, leadership coaching was like it's to you know like you have two worlds and each one has its own thing and it's great it's like culturally it's all they're both different but each one has their own strengths but if you're trying to like merge if you have two companies merging on that front you know and it's it's vital for companies to be able to um learn from each other and then also kind of translate when they come to our part of the world and i think that the the biggest challenge for me at uh, for was for companies was like okay uh, these guys are great, but they're not good on the marketing side because they get lost in translation. And then there's the other groups like, okay, these guys are all marketing, but they don't know enough about the product, you know? So there's that battle that you have. So one of the roles was obviously for me to kind of help out in bridging the gap like that and how how to maximize the strengths and then kind of how are the weakness a little bit and, and how we're going to like use that model of, okay, to transition from one to the other without losing your core. You know, because obviously you want them to maintain what what their strengths are. But you know, for the for the Western audience, it's more about understanding the product, understanding the uh, you know the Asian audience, but how they go about things, and then be able to speak that language. And then once and convince them to put in that effort. And that's that's where my thing was coming about how to uh, convince them, because sometimes you know in the part in part of the sales process, you end up saying something about your product and which may or may not do. You know. And then it's it's more about just getting lost in translation, right? So how can you avoid, uh, because those can lead to legal kind of issues, right? So how can you use, um, you know, how do you kind of make sure that you don't like uh, mess up on those things? Even though it's these, we can call it as training, uh, training issues. So our role was more to kind of like uh, be able to talk to a select group of, of people from both sides and point out about what needs to be done, how we're going to go about it and have some structure to it without losing that essence. And they would have a select group of people for us to, for, to work with. They are very key people who know their subject in and out, but they needed that training to um, make sure that, uh, firstly, it's um, you know to mainly to address the bridge, you know, to bridge the gap, but also to um, evolve, uh, you know, make that relationship of, you know, like cohesive work environment thing that we want to work uh, to push ourselves towards. And uh, and I think that's where the uh, the coaching comes into existence from my end, at least on the, on the uh, uh, leadership side. See, the earlier, I think when uh, on-site travel was very uh, new, the time there, there used to be this program called First Time On-Site Traveling, Sensitivity Training. It was not sensitivity, some, some sort of a training program. I forgot the actual program name. Uh, when I went through, they said, you should do this, you should not do this. This is, when you say this, this is what it means and what not. So it, it's, it's like that at a much, much higher scale of coaching mm-hmm. people for a new language. You're almost mm-hmm. translating yeah. one to the other, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's like you know you uh, and of course with your with your Asian looks and and an accent it really helps. <laughs> so there's like that's one other thing that they elected. Okay, they can speak to this audience and that audience, and you know and that 
sometimes it's what do you call it? it's again it's like offshore project management if you can look at it right you know that's what they do is that okay i can speak to this group of people and i can speak to this group you know so it's like um it works so i understand how and sometimes you get caught in the middle you know and um, so it's not much different from project management to be honest except here it is more that you are addressing it from a very uh, from a key leadership level for each group and i think that i think that um that has played a it's it's a big role to do but i think whatever you do on that is it's a make or make decide this uh, you know factor for how the two companies that are working together as one company now are going to you know take it to the next level and i'm talking from a from a leadership and uh, standpoint and also from you know again profitability and you know and making you know and there's a, the competition in that world is high so and it's building wars and things like that you know so and you have to uh, you know play that role to perfection anything that you do if it screws up then it's a problem too so it's a double edged sword like any like it. <laughs> so it is right because the the at at, a, at that level uh, every misstep uh, would cost billions uh, uh, <laughs> in either side and the lawsuits i can imagine how many lawsuits <laughs> can come in yeah it it's 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 tough but it's uh, I mean that's what you're there for that's what your specialization is for right so yeah. so you you so you cannot screw up <laughs> so yeah very nice i have loved this conversation so far badri i know i can think of multiple follow up discussions just only on organization change management or only on uh, you know training and coaching but uh, given the time i want you to know i want you to say if there are if you have any key takeaways uh, that you want to share with our uh, yeah. listeners oh yeah i mean uh, that will be it should be another podcast also on that you know but i'm saying i think like uh, like firstly i think like uh, fascinating questions you seem very genuinely interested in you know understanding uh you know and able to bring different elements different kinds of people onto the program and and each one bringing their own insights you're able to put it under one cloud um i think it's um i think the the takeaway just that how deeply interested you are in this in the field and understand truly wanting to understand i think that i think that's probably my biggest takeaway and it also puts me in okay to go in with even more vigilance with my own clients you know so i think um you're doing a fascinating job and uh, and also you know you probably should teach me uh, more on flexibility in yoga later that probably should be it's like a visual cast or something but overall i have thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed this conversation with you and and i think yeah we should we should do more thank you so much badri you're saying uh, take things as you get and be curious all the time uh, i yeah. uh, that is uh, really thing for you curious 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 george that's my son who sees that all the time <laughs> curious george thank you so much for your time badri and uh, okay. i really appreciate you spending time with us of our people stories we thank siddharth for the music and malavika for promoting the software people stories if you like this episode please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting dot com.